A reading from the book of Luke. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple, praising God. A reading from the book of Acts. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to, to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly there were two men in white robes standing by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's going to seem strange. I know what I'm about to say coming from a minister, but follow me. I think the Bible is an odd book, isn't it? Sometimes it feels to me when I'm reading the Bible like it's a book of regulations and rules. Do this and don't do that. Other times it's a reads like a genealogy, sometimes a history book, other times a book of stories. But I think we all believe there's something inherently true in these stories. But go to any new member Sunday school class and the students will tell you that the Bible confuses them. Well, I have two postgraduate degrees that um, the world says I'm supposed to know something about the Bible. And I can tell you that it confuses me many times. And this is one of these passages that confuse me. 
One of those times when I scratch my head and I ask myself, why, God? What are you doing, God? Uh, The story was getting really good, God. I mean, really, the story that we were reading was getting really good. We got Jesus' ministry and He was doing some great things and the buzz was going. And then the bad thing happened. Jesus dying on the cross and the terrible suffering that He endured and the weeping and the mourning. And then we see this beautiful resurrection. And then we see even Jesus appearing often to His friends and to His disciples and to other people and doing more miraculous things. The story's getting really good. Something really, really amazing is about to happen. I mean, I mean, Jesus with this glorious body now and being resurrected. I mean, the world, the, the world is in his hands. The sky is the limit. But then he leaves. Jesus leads his disciples up a hill and he reveals the scriptures to them as Marilyn and Chelsea read and He leaves and ascends up into heaven like Elijah before him who is carried into heaven with chariots. Jesus leaves. And I could try to tell you why he did that. We could have some theological discussions as to why Jesus did that. He said he had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. But to be candid, I would prefer to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Some things are too good to be true, I guess. But let's deal in what we know. Let's just do that for a few moments. Let's deal in what we know today. We all know, don't we? I do. I'm sure you do. We all know what it's like to have been left. To have been left by a spouse. to have been left with a pink slip for our health to leave, for a child to pass away. Most of all of us know what it is like to watch our hopes and our dreams disappear, leaving us to wonder what is left and what should we do And how should we do it? And I can imagine, I can close my eyes and imagine with my heart that the disciples felt the same pit in their stomach that we feel when we get left. They had that same pounding in their heart. And they did what we so often do when we get left. They stood there staring at the sky. If you think about it, it would make a good country song if it weren't so true. There's a tear in my beer and I'm crying for you. You left me here. It's confusing, isn't it, right? It's confusing. We can't blame the disciples for staring up into the sky and waiting. They want their dreams back. They want their hopes back. They they want their lives back. They've given up everything. And plus, Jesus has done this before. You know, this isn't unlike Jesus. He's done this to us before. He comes back. 
goes and he leaves and he goes to pray and he comes back. Maybe, maybe he'll just come back down and start over again. It's confusing. They found Jesus. Some would say that Jesus found them, but, but they found Jesus at the tax collector table in a boat. And then they lost Jesus at the cross. And they found him again when he was resurrected. And they lost him again. And while he was with them, he seemed to always have an answer. He seemed to always have a plan. Or at least a story that would lead to a question that would lead to an answer. They usually wouldn't understand it, but it was comforting to think that somebody knows what's going on and now that somebody is gone. And so they sat there staring, waiting for him to come back where they saw him last. And right now we're sitting, as Walter described, we're sitting between Ascension Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. Ascension Sunday where Jesus was lifted into the clouds out of our sights and Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven to fill the disciples with power and energy and gifts from God to send them out into the world to do God's work. And it just seems to me, does it seem like to you, it seems to me that God is constantly going up and down and up and down and up and down. I used to, I used to love roller coasters. I, I used to, more than that, I used to, to love doing the loops on the roller coasters. I used to love going to carnivals and anything that would spin me around or twist me upside down or stick me to a wall and fly me around. I, I would love that stuff. I would just, gosh, I would, and my parents never wanted to go on and on these things with me. They, they never would, and I thought they were such duds. Never going to do that, I thought, when I'm a parent. Last year, we got the chance to go to Rehoboth, and I'm sure you know that Rehoboth, there's this boardwalk, and off the boardwalk, there's this carnival-like business called Funland, where there's all of these carnival games and activities and stuff to do. The first thing that the kids saw when we walked into Funland was the pirate ship. No. Excuse me, the pirate ship, don't you? It's the central staple of every amusement park or carnival that you ever go to. This darn ship that you sit there and it goes up and then it comes down and then it goes up and then it comes down and then it goes higher up and it comes down and it goes higher up and then you're virtually vertical until you think you're going to flip over and then you come back down. And the kids saw that and they loved it and they wanted to ride it. And my nine-year-old self thought, yes, that is so cool. I want to have that experience with my daughter and my son. Let's go ride this pirate ship. So we spent $80 for all four of us to go ride this pirate ship. And we get into the ship and, you know, we have to get into the back because if you're in the middle, it's not as fun. If you're in the back, it's more fun. And so we got closer to the back and this ship starts going up and it starts going down. And, And as it goes up higher, the kids giggle and laugh and I want to giggle and laugh too except I'm trying to hold my lunch down and it gets higher and higher and they laugh more and Mary and I get more and more and more pale I 
was reminded of that when I was thinking about this scripture passage. I don't know if the Bible teaches us anything, church. Yeah, I think if it teaches us anything, it teaches us that life is a series of ups and downs. It's what it is. God, as we talked about, never stays too long in one place. And if we follow him, we'll have some ups and we will have some downs and it will be thrilling to be sure. But at times it is going to be so hard to keep it all together. That's why I was so surprised that the disciples kept it together in this passage. These poor disciples, just like the Hebrews, they tried so hard to follow Jesus Hebrews tried to follow Yahweh. Disciples tried to follow Jesus. And the moment they seemed to be on the right track, both the Hebrews and the disciples, the moment they seem to literally be found by God, they get lost again. Spend 40 years in the wilderness or get chastised by Christ. And the truth of the matter is, we're the people of God. You know that, right? We're, We're the kingdom of the Lord on the earth. You and I, we're it. And we do the same thing. We aren't any different. This isn't God's first rodeo with people who try really, really hard and then get lost and confused and slip and lose their lunch. Noah did it. Abraham did it. The Hebrews did it. The disciples did it. And let's just admit it, we do it. The longer I live, you know, I, I, I used to think that, and I just, I used to think that um, life was a straight line. You know, you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and you go from A to B, and sometimes if you fall back, you fall back, but you get back up and you keep going. And, and <clears throat> I, I think I can stand here and tell you I don't believe that anymore. I think, um, I think life is just, you're lost, and then you're found. Then you get lost again. Then you get found again. And then you get lost again. And then you get found again. That's why I love Luke and Acts so much, because it reminds me that God is looking for me when I'm lost. And that it's only going to be a matter of time, just a matter of time before I'm back in, I'm back in the Father's house. Or a matter of time before I'm draped over my Savior's shoulders and He's carrying me back to the flock. The kids and I drive to school every morning and when they start bickering, by the way, Walter, I appreciate that. That's not only for mothers about not bickering. That's for fathers, too. That helps a lot. And when our kids start bickering on our way to school, I turn on songs. And one of our favorite songs in the car these days we listen to is a random Christian song titled Clumsy by an unknown Christian artist, Chris Rice. One of the verses, he says, you think I have it down by now. We've been practicing for 30 some odd years. Seem to have walked 100 miles. So what am I still doing just right here? 
I'm reaching out for that same old piece of forbidden fruit and then I slip and I fall and I knock my head loose. What am I supposed to do? And on this Ascension Sunday, I can't think of a better question to ask. With the disciples standing there with their heads up, what are we supposed to do now? And suddenly two white men, or two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, men of Galilee, what are you doing? Standing and looking up towards heaven. That's not the kind of thing you hear in church, is it? But it's there, right there in Scripture, saying, don't look up towards the heavens. Even the psalmist says, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. But there it is in Scripture, the angel saying, why are you looking up towards heaven? It's all the more puzzling because these angels then say, Jesus, the same Jesus that you saw ascending a second ago, He will come in the same way, He'll come again in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. So then if that's the case, shouldn't we all have our eyes literally fixed on the heavens? Shouldn't that what the church be about? Frankly, that's what a lot of us do. Churches, I mean. We gather together and we just look up. Say the world is a mess. It's too hard to fix. Never mind that Jesus said, I'm coming to, or I've come to make all things new. But we just say the world's a mess. Come back quick, Lord Jesus. And we hold our heads to heaven and we forget everything else around us. Luke and Acts was meant to be written as one book. But we divide them. I don't know why we did that. Somehow Christians, we always like to divide things. Just before Jesus ascended, he told them to go back to Jerusalem and to wait. And after he ascended, the angels came and said, stop looking. Stop looking up there. Go back and do what Jesus said. And and, and if we read on to the Acts 2, which is what we're going to do next Sunday, we'll see that the disciples finally decided to obey Jesus. They stopped waiting and looking to the heavens. They went back to Jerusalem. And guess what God did? Came back down again. This time he came back down in the form of fire and tongues with the sound of a rushing wind. And he fills the hearts of the disciples. He fills them with his spirit. And never again, not once in scripture, do we ever catch them looking up. Ever. Instead, they look out. Confident of Christ's return in their hearts and minds, they seek to spread his return to all they know. Gosh, the Bible can be confusing, but it can be so comforting. God can be confusing, but he can be so powerful and loving. One thing we know is that he can come anytime, anywhere, any place, to anyone. 
He can come to and through two deacons to a pastor in an upper room of a church. He can come to a child in India tossing flowers and smiling amidst unparalleled poverty. He can come and dwell under a tent as we watch a loved one get buried. He's come in hospital rooms. I've seen it. He's come in the middle of wars. He's come through people we've never expected. He's come through our enemies and our friends and our strangers. But the question still looms, doesn't it? What are we supposed to do when we're lost? And I think Scripture answers that for us. Don't just stand there like the disciples did. Get ready to be found. And when you are found, start finding God everywhere. God, I'll admit it, I'll stand up right here and say it. It's, you are so quick. You are here and you are there and you're everywhere. And my life is up and down. And I am lost and I am found. And sometimes the very moment I walk through my father's gates, I start back out on the road away again. This week, God, give us the courage and the resolve, the patience, the resiliency to be found. In your son's name we pray.